This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. FM 104 Sunday Night Live with Louise Ty. Every week we chat to a musical person to tell us about the first gig they ever went to. And this week we're joined by our very own Freak on Friday's Al Gibbs. So what was your first gig? So, so this is a difficult question because it wasn't one exact moment or gig that sort of comes back when I think about that. But there, I suppose if I had to pick one, um, back in Dublin in, at the beginning of the 90s, there was a, a, it was basically a rave. Um, in the Olympic Ballroom just off Camden Street every Saturday night. And Mark Cavanaugh, who's now, I think, sub-editor of The Star, was the resident DJ. And it used to be, like, 2017-year-olds that, that weren't really going to the to legal clubs and, mm-hmm. and drinking alcohol, but would go to this... And it was a full-blown rave in this um, old dance hall, uh, the Olympic Ballroom. And it was just a... It was, it, it was, it was like something I'd never seen. But in actual fact, it was something I'd never seen before. Just people totally enthralled with this music, like this exotic music, this rave music. And rave culture was very new in Ireland in 1992. It had sort of started in the UK in 1989, but when it, when it kind of hit here, it, it took off, you know? So I'll never forget the first night I walked in there. I can imagine. What drew you to that in the first place? So a couple of my friends were, were friends with Mark Kavanagh, and mm. we got tickets. So we went in, or we got to guess this or whatever, yeah. but we went in and had a look, and I didn't know what to expect. I was expecting, like, a kind of a teenage disco, yeah. kids' disco, and at that point, I was sort of working on um, pirate radio and stuff like that, so I kind of had um, I had an inkling into sort of club music, and, and but not really. It was more radio for me at that time. So you hadn't started DJing in clubs at that point? No. Wow. No, definitely not. So what? Yeah, so I, I, yeah. I started DJing in the clubs when I was about 18. Okay. And what started you doing that? Was it just an interest in seeing how it works? Um, so I suppose it was a real natural progression for me. So DJs back then were sort of weren't the centre of attention. The DJ yeah. was sort of the geek in the corner. Kind of there was like dancers was the big thing back then. If you were a dancer in a club, you were real cool, and it was just that sort of thing back then. So I was just happy to kind of. Um, play some music in the background and I started doing kind of parties and friends functions and stuff like that and then eventually got asked to play in Stradbroke Rugby Club which was um, kind of the local rugby club but they, they had a nightclub every Saturday night so I started doing that and that's sort of how it took off. And then when you started doing clubs how did you approach that or did you kind of take <coughs> as was reference from your first rave that you went to? Yeah so I suppose when you look at it now, when you look at sort of what DJing is now versus what it was then, yeah. it's completely different now because there was no such thing as having your own sound back in 1992 or three <laughs> or four. You kind of, you played the big songs that were in the charts or on the radio. 
and, and what you do is you play a club version of them because they were the longer mixes. So <clears throat> you didn't really have your own sound, but you, you kind of everybody was playing the same thing. So it wasn't really. I suppose it, it, I understand what you're what you're trying to where you're trying to go with the question, but I suppose there was no real approach. I just sort yeah. of very organically ended up doing this thing that I was kind of doing on the radio anyway. Interesting. Yeah, it is funny how DJing has changed and and DJs have gone to make their own music now because you yeah, do the so, same. Which, yeah, DJs are DJs are are, are are like some DJs now are pop stars, yeah. but that was never the way it was. The DJ was was the guy who played the band's music on the radio. And then the nightclub DJ was the fella in the club that played a slightly different version of it with a beat. Yeah. But like over time, <clears throat> excuse me, DJs and producers um, have, have taken the limelight, have come centre stage mm-hmm. and, and have become pop star, you know, like megastars in their own right, as you well know, you know. Yeah, because I was speaking to Medusa there, oh, it was last year, I'd say at this point, and I found out yeah. that they actually played their first gig with you. That's in Ireland, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So we they, like, and he was really nervous. Wow. He was really nervous. There was only one. Of, there was only one. Of, I thought I, I, is Medusa one or two people? It's three people now. Three people. I didn't yeah. know that. I didn't know that. So it was one person in. Um, we were up in uh, Sligo. Yeah. In the Travellers, what's it called now? The Royal Theatre, and uh, we were playing for. Was it God's Kitchen or so? I can't remember now what it was. It was a, it was a big enough, big enough gig. And myself and Jenny Green and and uh, Medusa, but he was really nervous. And you could tell, you could tell, like that he was a producer that was turning into a DJ, not the other way around. You yeah. can always tell. It's so interesting, though, that how it works out. Like, yeah. So when you start so can... taking on the big Go stages, on. yeah. How was that? Because that's amazing when you look, because I look at your videos on Instagram and you see these like sea of people in front of you. For yeah. me, that's terrifying, but it must be quite exhilarating yeah. too. To be honest with you, I have to be dead, like I'll be dead straight. Up until the pandemic, I never thought twice about it. Mm. It was just a natural progression. You play in the club, you get popular in the club, then there's a bigger stage, you know, and you go to the small festival and then the bigger festival on the small stage and you work you just sort of work your way up and I've been doing that my whole life but since the pandemic I am getting a little bit anxious like before I go on and I can't put my finger on what it is it's not like I'm not nervous about my ability or the show or how it's going to go it's just I suppose just having not been in front of so many people for so long you kind of your body forgets like it, what people don't understand when you're standing on the stage and there's 5,000 people staring at you <laughs> they're kind of given energy you're, you're picking up that energy I don't know it's very hard to explain but you can feel it Yeah. you know you know you're on you know you're on the spotlight you know every little move you make is being watched and scrutinised and I suppose I, my body just forgot about it so now that I'm back out of the game I'm, I'm easing back into it but it's uh yeah, it's been a, it's been a, I was shocked by it, to be honest. I just thought I'd walk back on the stage and off you go again. But I suppose two years sitting doing nothing, um, I suppose, has a bit of a hangover. Yeah, because it's not really a natural thing to have that many people watching what you're doing. No, <laughs> no. And it's a weird, it's a weird thing. It's a, yeah. it's a weird thing to lift, lift your arm and 5,000 arms go up with it or, <laughs> you know, to oh, make nice some stuff. small gesture and people cheer for, you know. It is a weird, <laughs> it is a weird thing. And it, it is exhilarating and I do love it, but it, it's... Um, I suppose I just forgot. I forgot what it was like, you know. Yeah, and now you put together your own 3D show as well, haven't you? Yeah. So this sort of started. It, it, it was a conversation I had with Robbie Butler from the Pod about three years ago. So Robbie's the boss of Altogether Now Festival mm-hmm. and Forbidden Fruit Festival, and we're friends a long time. And 
I said I wanted to do something visually, you know, with my DJ set. So I wasn't thinking it was going to go this far, <laughs> but just something that was a little bit different while I was playing because everybody's kind of doing the same thing. Yeah. And I just wanted something slightly different. So we, we kind of spoke about the idea of a hologram mid-show, um, whereby we black out the lights in, in the club or the venue and a hologram appears above my head. Nice. And that was, that was sort of the start of it. But what we've ended up with is a 60-minute holo- holographic show like the, the whole thing is 2d 3d um it's mad like it's it's crazy how it's uh how it's all ended up but we have this show now and we've we've done our first gig in the marquee in cork uh, a couple of weeks ago and we were announced just this morning obviously i've known about it for a while but we were announced mm-hmm. this morning um for all together now on the friday night so i'm i'm actually on at i think 2 a.m on the friday night so as some of the big headline stages close my tent will sit will be open and that was the idea to get people in to see the show wow. um, so it's going to be it's going to be mental that's going to be crazy but so much fun yeah. but there will so be more fun. yeah go ahead well, yeah. no, I was just going to say there's, there's going to be lots of nights yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're saying there's the same thing yeah, that's because we're both radio DJs thinking, right, we need to get that in, that's why. There's going to be more dates. Woo-hoo. That's amazing. So, uh, yeah, the third date is actually booked for 2023, but to be honest, I'm going to try and get one in Dublin um, before the end of the year, if I can. Um, there was talk about uh, Vicar Street or, you know, that kind of thing, so we'll just have to see how it goes. But, yeah, look, it's been so it's been such a learning curve, the, like a ferocious amount of work, I didn't realise how much work would go into making these visuals. Um, we have a team of four different companies from different parts of the world working on it. It's just been crazy, and I'm right in the middle of it, so it's um, it's been a real learning curve. But I'm, I'm just really excited for everybody to see it. Um, so Friday night, I'm all together now. If you're there, make sure and come and say hello. Amazing, Al. Thanks so much, because I know you're busy at the moment. Lots going on. Oh, flat out, but sure, look, no, no complaints. I know. Same here, same here. Have a good one. Okay, thanks, Louise. Cheers. F104 is Sunday Night Live and as he said there's going to be lots of dates so keep an eye out for Dublin ones and also you can check them out on a Friday evening on FM 104. FM 104 Sunday Night Live with Louise Ty.